0: So we're doing this um, series called Upside Down Christmas. Um, As I watch TV shows, as I'm, like, driving down the road, like, I'm always thinking of, like, series and ideas, like, ways in which we can, like, study the Bible together. And, you know, I don't know how many of you did, but I was, like, April and I binge-watched Stranger Things, just pretty much one and two, back-to-back, like, season one, season two. Because I'd started a couple... Um, of season one and then I kind of not lost interest but I lost time wasn't able to watch it so when the season two came out I was like listen as the head of the household I'm declaring no, I didn't say it like that but I was like we got to watch Stranger Things together so we watched it watched it, and um, I thought it was a really good show um, but anyway if, if you've watched it what you know is um, poor Will um, I'm not going to spoil it for you okay do what? Okay. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Um, but there is this world, this alternate universe called the Upside Down. If you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. There's this Upside Down, and it's like almost a mirror reverse image of what we see. And this Upside Down, it's it's like a bad version of what is what we see. And the more I was thinking about it, I was like our world is kind of like the Upside Down and it's a mirror reversed bad image of what is true and what is holy and what is right. And that's the reality of God in heaven. What's so amazing about Christmas is that Jesus entered our upside-down world and he made a way for us to be back with him where we're supposed to be. So it's 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 really cool. So the first the first lesson that we did or the first like installment of this upside down Christmas um that we did was we talked about um how our world is different, how Jesus came to our world and last week kind of had a mini lesson but we talked about what was the way and how did Jesus come down. Like if you watch Stranger Things you know there's a portal in which you can go back and forth, right? Um not to it may sound kind of weird, don't take it the wrong way, but Mary as a virgin was the portal for Jesus to enter the world. Um, <laughs> you know, if my I were married, I wouldn't want to be referred to as a portal, but <laughs> that's the only way we, you know, we can kind of have the right understanding. So tonight, um, tonight what we're going to talk about is how does this, how does this world, this upside-down world, get put right-side right up? And the, the, the main idea of this is that there's, the only way we can get right-side up is by embracing Jesus. This is our next slide. This, actually... You're behind a slide. Show the upside down, Dylan. There's the upside down. How do we get right side up? It's by embracing Jesus as our one true king. So that's kind of like the main point is that Jesus is the one true king. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 2. If you've gone, if you, even if you haven't gone to church, if you're not like consider yourself a church person, or even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you've probably heard about these guys And these guys are referred to as different, there are different ways that they're referred to in like Christmas music, Christmas songs, Christmas stories. Um, Sometimes we refer to them as the wise men. Sometimes we refer to them in a song as three kings. Have you heard that song? We, it's, it's, to me it sounds like a funeral march. We three kings of Orion. Yeah, I feel like I should be carrying a casket, you know. Um, But I was a little, a little, brutal, but um, but you, know, it talks about we three kings, right? Uh, and then if you read it in my version, the the I don't read the King James, the New King, or the what version am I reading? NIV. If you read the NIV, it refers to them as this magi. If you've ever had a nativity scene, um, you know what I talk about the nativity scene. It's got the little baby Jesus, um. Got Joseph and Mary. It's got some shepherds. It's got some livestock going, meh. And the, have you ever seen a live nativity? Have you ever seen some of the blooper videos of churches that have a live nativity? And they bring like donkeys on and they take a big dump on the stage and it's like, oh no, like what do we do? You know, but um, anyway, in the nativity, you have. Sh- <laughs> get me talking about poop and I just lose all track of what I'm saying. You, you have Joseph, Mary, you have baby Jesus, you have the shepherds. And then over here, you have three wise men, right? Well, what's interesting is the Bible does not refer to them as kings. They were not kings. Um, The Bible doesn't say there were three of them. We say three wise men because there were three gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. Um, But the wise men were more, there were probably more than three of them, and they weren't kings. This story, Matthew 2, what we're going to read, it's not a story of three kings. Not we three kings, of we and our. It's actually a tale of two kings. There are two kings mentioned in this passage. We're going to read through this passage in Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to see if you can identify who the two kings are, okay? So get your goggles out. Um, if, you don't have your, uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, I'll have the verses on the screens. So we're just going to read 12 verses here, Matthew chapter 2. Let's read. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi that's our word for wise men, from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is this one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. But out of you... Will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I can go and worship him." After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the and the star that and the star they had seen when it had rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to this house, they saw. The child and his mother Mary, they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their gifts and treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Um, did you notice the two kings in this passage? Okay. My wife's on it. Dylan, is that what you're going to say too? Okay. Okay. <laughs> we see two kings. We see two kings. First, the first king we see is Herod. Well, actually, the first king we see is Jesus. Verse 2 says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But then we see in verse 3 King Herod. So to kind of narrate or to kind of recap the story here, Jesus was born. What's the message of Christmas? Where's God? Remember that from the the first lesson? Where's God? God is here. Why is he here? It's because his name is Jesus. He was born. So Jesus was born, and when Jesus was born, the Bible talks about in several passages that a supernatural, this was not like, you know, Urion, is it Urion's belt, or it wasn't the big dipper, it wasn't like a star that we can that was in our solar system. This was a supernatural star rested over where Jesus was born in this little city called Bethlehem. So there were um, in the world people that called themselves astrologers. Um, you ever seen the ladies that are on, like, TV at, like, 3 a.m.? Miss Cleo? She's like, call me and get your tarot card read, you know? And, like, like, like they try to tell the future by the stars. Um, these guys weren't necessarily... I think Miss Cleo actually went to jail. Um... <laughs> But uh, these guys aren't like, they weren't exactly like Miss Cleo, but what they did was they were people who studied the stars. If you live out in the middle of nowhere, you can see how beautiful the stars are and you can see the patterns. And they would study these patterns of stars and they would even go so far as to say like if, if these stars are visible at night, it means this is going to happen the next day. And if, if, if this is visible, this is going to happen. Like people that go and read their horoscopes, you know, I call it the horoscope, Because it's a horrific life if you live by your horoscope, Um, but they—they were kind of like that. So they were not Christians, right? They were not believers. These were, and it says they were from the east. So most scholars believe they were either from Babylon or further east, like, into, into the Chinese areas. So they were a very long distance away from where Jesus was born, but they saw the star. And if you sit there every night and you look, you know exactly what stars are coming up. And then all of a sudden, there's this massive supernatural star. What do you do? You're like, i got to find out what in the world that star is about. So they packed up everything. They got this big entourage, because anytime you would travel across the country, across the world, on camels... You know, you kind of want to have a couple people that are really big and bad, like Andrew, that'll beat up any guy that tries to attack you. You know, you want to take like three or four Andrews with you. You know, you probably want to take someone that can cook, like April. You know, you, you, you want to you know, you take someone that, that, that can talk real loud, like Dylan, you know, and announce when you come into city. You know, they probably had an entourage that was coming with them. They're following this star. They follow it. They follow it. Through all the way through Persia, into Israel, into Jerusalem, and it looks like the star kind of stops. And they think it stops over Jerusalem, but the truth is it actually stopped over Bethlehem. Jerusalem was only five miles away from Bethlehem. So think like Jerusalem, the big city, think Huntington. Bethlehem, the little city that's close to Jerusalem, think Barbersville. If a star rests over Barbersville, you could probably see it from Huntington, right? If you get away from all the like, glowing Ohio River nuclear material. So, so they, they think the star rests over Jerusalem, so they come into Jerusalem, and they knew enough to know that that star predicted that some king was going to be born. Um, if you're a nerd, how many nerds in here? You want to, like, profess that you're a nerd. Some nerds believed that the way they knew that this star meant the birth of a king was because you can read in... Um, Numbers, excuse me, yeah, in Numbers where Balaam, you know the story Balaam, the donkey and all that stuff, you can read in Numbers where Balaam delivered a piece of prophecy to Babylon that had to do with the birth of a king in Bethlehem and in the Jerusalem area. So, so some people think, oh, they knew that because of this, which happened like thousands of years ago. It's really cool. But anyway, they come and they're like, hey, where's this king? We saw this star. It means a king is born because they're like astrologers, right? And a lot of people probably think they're kind of wacko and weird. But they, they're asking for this king. There was a king born. This king of the Jews, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? They caused enough commotion that it says, if you read in... Um, Verse 3, King Herod was distressed and all of Jerusalem with him. So they got the whole town, it was a pretty big town, the whole town talking. And then Herod, his ears perk up too because Herod was a king. And Herod was known as, his nickname was, the king of the Jews because he ruled over Israel. And he's like, hold on now. Some little baby, some little pipsqueak was born and thinks he's king of the Jews. I'm king of the Jews. Right, so... So they come and they say, Herod brings them in. He's like, so what's the deal with this star? And they tell him, so he brings in his scholars who read the Bible front and back. And they're like, yeah, you know, these guys are right. There's this prophecy in, in, um, in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that says there's going to be a, a king born in Bethlehem. So Herod tells the magi, these men in this entourage, well, go on down to Bethlehem. I tell you what, you know, he's, he's pulling the you know, kind of shucking jive, you know what I mean, being deceptive. That's a southern term, I think, shuck and jive. You know what I mean? He's trying to be deceptive. He's like, I'll tell you what, you just go on down to Jerusalem, tell Jesus, I said hi, ask him how his mom's doing, you know, worship him, and then let me know when you find him, because I want to go down and I want to worship him myself. We know he was full, of it. we know he wanted to kill this supposed king of the Jews because he was the only king of the Jews. So the wise men, they go, they, the star settles on top of the house that Jesus is living in. Jesus was not in a manger anymore. Most people believe that this happened you know, maybe even up to a year after, um, after the, uh, the birth of Christ. So Jesus had, you, know, you don't live in a stable forever, right? You find a house. and they, so Joseph was a good husband and father, and he found a house, because it says they went to the house and they worshiped him. They saw Jesus, and, and from what they, even from what they could tell about Jesus, they knew he was worthy of being worshiped. So they give him three gifts, very expensive gifts. Um, one gift was gold how many of y'all would like me to give you a piece of gold, right? It would be good. We even would like that today. Um, next was frankincense, which was like a, like a, a, like a sweet-smelling, you know, maybe some kind of like. The, yeah, our version would be they gave him essential oils and a diffuser, and it was really expensive oils. <laughs> and, um, and, and the final was was myrrh. It was like a, it was a preservative type of an herb. So they give this to him. They worship him. And then an angel talks to these, um, magi, these wise men and he, he, the angel says, don't go back to Herod Herod wants to kill Jesus, go back another way, so they disobey the king they go back home another way that's the story, we have a tale of two kings, you know. and what I want to do is I want to c- contrast these two kings and then I want to ask you which king are you serving um, we see the difference between Herod and Jesus in like three, I think in three areas and the first is that Herod was an imposter and Jesus was the real deal Herod was an imposter and Jesus was the real deal. Herod, don't you hate people that have everything given to them? Do you know somebody like that? Oh, you're 16. Their parents are like, Oh, you're 16. Let me give you a new BMW so you can wrap it around a telephone pole. And then if you wreck that one, you get another one. You know, like, 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 college, don't worry about college. Go to the most expensive one you want and major in underwater basket weaving. Like, like, <laughs> If that was a major, you know, you ever had somebody that like everything was like, it's like they was handed to them on a silver platter and they are the most stuck up, spoiled people you ever met. Like probably for most of you, a name just popped into your head, right? Don't say the name. It's not time to trash somebody else, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. Someone that has, everything's been given to him. Everything's been handed to him. This was Herod. Herod's daddy was a king and he told Herod, one day you're going to grow up, and I'm going to give you my kingdom. And he did. And Herod was a big old fat spoiled jerk. Um, that's the <laughs> the, Matt McClay, the M.I.V., Matt International Version. He was a big, spoiled, stuck up jerk. Everything was handed to him on a silver platter. That's how he got his authority. How did Jesus get his authority? Um, I'll tell you what. How many of y'all got at least two fingers? Okay, good. Um, put one finger where you are in Matthew. <laughs> now don't hold up, no, never mind. There's one finger, I don't want you holding up at me. Um, but flip up. put one finger in Matthew 2 and then flip over to Philippians chapter 2. And um, keep a finger in there too because we're gonna kind of flip back and forth. Um, so Herod had everything handed to him and everything given to him. How did Jesus get his authority? Look what it says. It says being in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And Jesus, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, because of that, God exalted him to the highest place. Herod got his authority because daddy gave it to him. Jesus got his authority because he earned it on the cross. Um, so the first thing we see, you know, Jesus was an imposter. Herod was the real deal. You ever think about this? The wise men sought out Jesus. Herod had to seek out the wise men. The wise men, if you, if you look at this, this passage, it says, um, it says in here that he, um, in verse 7, it says, Herod called the magi. The magi didn't go to Herod. Herod had to call them. Wise men weren't seeking Herod, but wise men were seeking this baby in Bethlehem because he was the real deal. Um, when we have no record of the magi, the wise men bowing to Herod, We have no record of them um, telling him how great he was. Because usually, if you went before a king, whether he was your king, you know, hashtag not my king. If he was your king or he was somebody else's king, the, the respectful thing to do was to give him adoration and to bow to him, to say kind words to him, to give him some gifts because he was gracious enough to let you pass through his kingdom. We have no record of the wise men doing any of that to Herod. The wise men don't seek out Herod, but the wise men, they seek out Jesus. Uh, we see that they bow before Jesus, and we see that they give Jesus gifts, and we see that they worship Jesus. Because they were wise men, and they were wise enough to know that Herod was an imposter. Jesus was the real deal. Herod was also an imposter because of prophecy in the Bible. The Bible prophesies this king of the Jews as being this, a son of Israel and a son of David. Herod was not a son of David. He was not in the line of David. Herod was not even a son of Israel. Herod was an Edomite. He was, a, he was in the lineage of Esau, not Jacob. Jesus, as we know, as if you turn, don't do it, but I mean, you can, I guess, if you want. But turn back one page in Matthew chapter 1, you see the entire line, the entire, like, ancestry of Jesus and what you see about that ancestry of Jesus is that he's the true king because he's true to the prophecy that God gave that the Messiah would come from Israel and from the line of Judah. I know that you're in from the line of David. I know that's kind of deep stuff, but here's here's the deal. Herod was an imposter. Jesus is the real deal. Now, to kind of bring it down to our level. How many of us follow imposter kings in our life? Um, this is a question that I'm going to ask. I, I wrote it because I want to make sure I say it right. I'm going to ask you this question three times. So here's the question I want to ask you. Do I follow an imposter king in my life? Who's in control? Who decides what I say, where I go, who I date, what I wear, and what I do with my time? There are a lot of imposter kings out there. Herod was an imposter king, and a lot of us let imposter kings rule over our lives and make decisions over our lives if you've ever been in like a dating relationship where somebody is incredibly controlling you understand what it means to have an imposter king and rather than serving Jesus you're serving a person um, some of you let your and this was never my problem this is never my struggle but I know some people struggle with it let your academics become your king and whether you have homework or not it dictates whether or not you study your bible whether you have homework or not dictates whether you spend time in prayer or spend time with God's people at church. Um, some of you, it's academics. Some of you, sports. Um, that was me. I was more sports. Um, some of us, it's just people around us. We let other people decide who we can be or who we should be rather than God. We let, you know, we let other people decide, you know, what we should wear because if everybody else is wearing it, I should wear it. We let other people decide, like, the language that we use because, hey, if everybody else is talking like that, I should talk like that. Who's your king? Who's your king? Do I follow an imposter king in my life? Herod was an imposter king. Jesus was the one true king. Jesus was the real deal. The second thing we see between the difference between Jesus and Herod, Herod was hateful, Jesus is holy. And by the way, what you'll notice in all three of these points is there's a fourth kind of difference in there. Herod was, Jesus is. We don't know where Herod's grave is. I looked up to see if like, there's any kind of marker where Herod's grave is. You know what? No marker. He's in the ground somewhere. In the grand scheme of things, historically speaking, he wasn't even important enough to preserve his grave. Herod's dead. Jesus is alive. So that's why Herod was and Jesus is. But Herod was hateful. Jesus is holy. Can you imagine all the poop, all the screaming, and all the vomit from all those babies? Those are actually real live babies like there. Can you imagine just like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere close to that room. There are three ways that Herod was hateful and unholy and Jesus was holy. Um, Morality. Um, Herod was an incredibly immoral person. Um, Herod had his wife and his brother killed because he thought they were a threat to his throne. Herod had nine wives. Some of the wives he married um, because of, like for political reasons, because they like they were like from well-connected families. Some of them he married just to satisfy his own lusts. And he had nine wives at the same time. one of them to death because she he thought she was a threat, put his brother to death because thought he was a threat. He was known for throwing lavish, wild, drunken parties at his palace. Uh, he was known for being an incredibly brutal Person to where he would not show mercy on people. He collected high taxes from people. He was a very immoral person. What do we know about Jesus? Jesus was the exact opposite. Jesus was perfect and holy. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said that Jesus knew no sin and that when he died and rose again, we could become his righteousness and we could become the righteousness of God. So Herod was unholy. He was hateful. Jesus was perfect. You want to know how hateful Herod was? Herod was nervous that there was another king of the Jews out there. So you know what he did? When the wise men, they kind of pulled one on him, and they kind of skirted out around from like behind him and didn't report back to him where Jesus was. He's like, okay, well, I can take care of this. He issued a decree that every male child in Bethlehem, two and under, was to be killed. He said, that'll take care of my problem. I don't know which one of these this king of the Jews is, but I'll just kill them all. Can you imagine? Bethlehem was a very small town. Smaller than Barbersville. Um, It was a very small town. So can you imagine what it was like? Can you imagine how much the city got rocked by probably Roman soldiers who went in, confiscated these babies from their mother, never to be heard from again? That's the evil of this imposter king. Herod killed babies. Jesus became a baby and was killed for us. Do you see the difference here between the imposter king and the true king? The imposter king killed babies. Jesus became a baby to be killed so that we could live forever, and he saved our lives. Herod was hateful. Jesus was holy. We know Herod was self-centered. Herod was all about Herod. Um, If Herod was alive during our time, he would be like that guy that posts on social media 24-7, like self-gratifying and glorifying posts. Um, Jesus was the picture of humility. Jesus was the most selfless person, and all we have to do is look to the cross to realize how selfless he was. Jesus died for you. He totally gave up himself for yourself. So Herod was hateful. Jesus was holy. And maybe this may be, to me, the biggest one. Um, especially when we think of Christmas. Herod was a taker. Jesus is a giver. You can go to the next slide, Dylan. Herod was a taker. Jesus was a giver. Herod held on to his status so hard. Like a third grade hall monitor would not give up his authority for anything. You ever met somebody who, they got just a little bit of authority, and all of a sudden they turned into pretty much Hitler. Hitler. Like like they ruled with an iron fist. And they, they, they were the terror of the crossing guard community because they had a little bit of power. You ever met somebody like that? You give them a little bit of, yeah, I can't remember, some president I think said it, is if you want to test a man's character, give him power. It's very true. Herod held on to his title. Just like sometimes we hold on to our titles. And Herod held on to his status so hard that he was willing to kill for it, that he was willing to deceive for it. He was even willing to disrupt his own family, to kill people in his own family, to kill babies, to hold on to his status. You still got that finger? I almost gave you the finger. You still got that finger in, um, (laughs) I got the look. You still got that finger in Philippians chapter 2? Flip back over to Philippians chapter 2. What did Jesus do with his status? Verse 6 of Philippians 2 is talking about Jesus. It says that he was in the very nature of God, but did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't use his status for his own purposes. It says, rather, verse 7, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. So we see Herod, who held on to his status We see Jesus who gave up his status to come to earth to save us. That's a big deal. Look at the person next to you and say, that's a big hairy deal. Now tell them you're a big hairy deal. (laughs) Thank you, Dylan. Um, Herod was a taker. Herod held on and would take in order to preserve his throne. He used deception and he used murder. He, he, He used deception by tricking the magi. He was manipulating the religious leaders, which we see um, in, verse, um, in verse 4. He was manipulating his all, everything he could think of. He processed everything through what will give me the most power. Herod held on to his throne. Jesus left his throne. You know, we think about you know, Herod was probably in a palace, and there were probably people that served him. Jesus was in heaven, seated on the right hand of God around a sea of glass that looked like crystal with angels worshiping him 24-7, and he left that throne to become a baby. Herod, another difference between this taking and giving thing, Herod had to steal power, and what power he could steal, what power he could hold on to was limited. Jesus, even though he gave up his status, he never gave up his power. And if you're still in Philippians chapter 2, I'd like to show you something else. We don't know where Herod is buried, but I can tell you what Herod's future is. Um, Verse 9, it says, Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, at the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Herod tried to kill Jesus... Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, Jesus is alive, Herod is dead. One day, Herod, the king of the Jews, the fake king, the imposter king will kneel his knee, bow his knee, bow his head and declare that Jesus is the one true king. It's a big deal. So I gotta ask you this question again. Do you follow an imposter king in your life? The so next slide. Put that question up there again, Dylan. Do I follow an imposter king in my life? Who's in control? Who decides what I say, where I go, who I date, what I wear, and what I do with my time? Just like Herod was an imposter king and he was a taker, the imposter kings in our lives are takers. They chew you up and spit you out. We think we're important to these imposter kings, but we're really not, and when That girl doesn't get what she wants, or that guy doesn't get what she what he wants from us, they just move on to the next person. As you would maybe say it. There's a I always think that the whole like side bay thing is like kind of funny. But an imposter, you'll never be more than a side bay to your imposter king. You'll never hold the value and hold the place to the imposter king that you hold to the one true king. Who do I follow, an imposter king or Jesus? Who's in control? Who decides what I say, where I go, who I date, what I wear, and what I do with my time? Um, I would just kind of, usually I have like application points, right? And I tell you, do this, 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 this. I have one point and it's a question. You can go to the next slide. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? You have three options. First, you can ignore him like the priests. If you look at um, verse 4, it says that King Herod called these priests. They were Bible experts. They were the Sunday school champions. They won all the sword drills, okay? Any of any, any y'all ever do a sword drill? <laughs> yeah, they, were, they were the champs. They knew the Bible inside and out. They knew the Bible more than God knew the Bible, or so they thought. So they thought. So Herod calls all them in, and he says, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? And they're like, oh. This is like one of those Sunday school answer challenges. I know, I know, I know. Micah 5 two, But you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means the least among the land of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Think about this. These priests knew the Bible inside and out so much so that they knew that the king was supposed to be born Five miles down the road. And five miles down the road was the king that they had studied about all their lives, but they didn't take the five-mile journey to know him. Let me put it this way. They knew the book. They didn't know the author. And how sad is it that some of us, we know this book inside and out, but we have no relationship with the author Can I tell you, I've been at that point in my life before. It's one of the most miserable points in my life. Because I feel like I just need to perform for everybody else. And these priests, they knew God, but they ignored him. Or you can, what will you do with Jesus? You may oppose him like King Herod. You say, you know what, this Jesus thing, it works for my friend, it works for my parents, but I don't want any part of it because if Jesus was real and God was real, how could he let X happen in my life? Or sometimes we oppose Jesus because we know that if we say yes to Jesus, it's gonna mean we're gonna to have to say no to the lifestyle that we're living in right now. We can ignore Jesus like the priest, we can oppose Jesus like Herod, or we can worship him like the Magi. Think about this, the priest's, were Jewish people. Herod was king of the Jews, imposter king. These wise men, they didn't know anything. They didn't know much about this book. But what they did know is that there was a king in Bethlehem and he deserved their worship. And it says that the closer they got, the more excited they got. In verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And then on coming to the house, they saw the child and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then it says that they opened their treasures We don't have any time to talk about this word for treasures. It means like this treasure trove, this treasure chest where people kept the most valuable things and out of where they kept their most valuable things, they gave Jesus their most valuable things. What's your treasure chest look like? What's your most valuable thing? And are you willing to give it to Jesus? What will you do with Jesus this Christmas? Are you gonna ignore him? Are you gonna oppose him? Or are you gonna worship him? Let's pray that we don't just know the book, but we know the author. Um, Let's go to tag. Let's pray. Um, Father, I'm guilty of ignoring you. At times in my life, I've been guilty of opposing you and following imposter kings. But God, I pray that in my heart, I hold on to nothing. and Reach out to you, and I pray the same for each of our high schoolers. This evening that they will hold on to nothing, that they will reach out to you, and they will give you the worship they're due, that you are due. In Jesus' name, amen.